diversity is where lesbians go to get their degrees. Beversity. Beversity. Mm-hmm. I hate that joke. Why? Because <laughs> I said so. Well, explain this to me, though. Because <laughs> beers. Beerversity. Beerversity. Beer. Beerversity is where lesbians to go get, get go to get their degree, and beerversity is where frat boys go to throw up. Uh, or they, that's where they go to learn. Lesbians go to learn about Bud Light. <laughs> See, but that's there's the only one subject. You don't have to go to school for that. I don't know. You gotta learn how to be a good mixologist. <laughs> Tell me about how one mixes a Bud Light. Uh, well, it starts with uh, <laughs> a frosty <hops>. mug, <laughs> um, and maybe some wheat and a little bit of uh, saccharides. I'm thinking maybe the monosaccharide types. <laughs> maybe like one or two. Yeah, just a couple monosaccharides. You don't need a whole lot. Yeah, just a little bit of sugars to get in there and maybe some fructose or something and you're missing the most important ingredient water yeast oh well i feel like wheat kind of has some yeast in it doesn't it no no yeast is bacteria so are you uh maybe i am (laughs) you should go back to party city where you belong because i am a showgirl Binge. You should go back to, um, damn it, what are those called? You should, go, you should go back to placebo where you belong. See, that's a like science joke relating to bacteria. Mm. That's the podcast. <laughs> I'm so funny. Are we finally live? Can We've I do my live. bit now? Yeah, do it. <laughs> And we're live from Houston, Texas. It's Wednesday night. Kennedy. Get him. Ken. Morky. Everyone's helping. All these dogs. Kennedy. Morky. He's not even barking. She's also barking at us, (laughs) which is not helpful. Wow, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. We did it. We made it past our 20th episode. 20 episodes. And now we have stepped into the... The future. Oh, mm-hmm. and now Look it's officially a spoopy season. I know. <gasps> How could I forget? Yes. Oh my god! I should have happy, just worn my happy spoopy. spoopy. Yes, we are recording on October the second, uh, and it is officially a spoopy season, which is the perfect time that we are living our best lives. I mean, I've only had twelve pumpkin flavored things so far. Um, That's- an abomination. And you know that video where the gay guy scares his gay friend? Mm-hmm. I've watched it 30 times. I have only watched Hocus Pocus three times. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have only gotten seven text messages from people telling me happy Halloween. Um, this is only the second day of Halloween. Like, I need more of that. Of Halloween. Of Halloween. Of 31 days of Halloween. Exactly. I mean, it's better than 12 days of fucking Christmas. I mean, I prefer more days, but 31 sounds okay. Yeah, I'll me take too. it. Yeah. We got I mean, a shout out for Spoopy Season. I know. Oh my God. That was so exciting. I don't even know them. I, me neither. We're following How do they though. find us? They, and they're following us. But that, they, and they also have 17,000 followers. I know. And they were like, I, I don't know, because they, I figured that they were typing like letters for each, like at, and then the like letter that it was. Ours the, is like we E. Don't, yeah. We were at an E, and I was like, there's no E. In that, so how did that happen? Anywhere. I don't know how they found in us, our but entire I love title. It. I was very excited about it. So thank shout you. Shout out to um, 
whoever shout out to those guys thanks <laughs> on that podcast that they are advertising for us. something and um, um this is the wrong account uh, oh yes <laughs> uh, true crime blogs podcasts and golden state killer Ooh. nope that's not it <laughs> oh here it is no it is really? true crime Blogs, podcasts, and Golden State Killer. At ear underscore ons with an S. Thanks, girl. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Thank you for... <laughs> it only took us a little bit of time to find you, but... <laughs> I mean... But we've also been... I'll cut that out. Yeah, no, well... I won't. I'm not going <laughs> to cut it out. <laughs> we never cut anything. Um, <clears throat> by we, I mean you, because I don't do any of the cutting. Yeah. Which do you do also anything? does not happen. Um, no. I don't no. just show up. I normally just get drunk and normally just make a fool out of both of us. <laughs> so uh, I've never looked like a fool on this uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, okay. okay oh, maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to be detox oh. from when she was making fun of Alyssa Edwards. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I just can't. I just can't. Oh, is, this, is this too much, Roxy? <laughs> is this too much? This is too much. This is just too much. Too much. Well, you could be Laganja when she writes her jokes. Sit underneath the table. <laughs> hey, God, it's me, Laganja. Today I sat under a table and <laughs> because nobody wanted to talk to me. I love it. Uh, uh, drag references. Uh, oh, speaking of drag, we did not record a rupee podcast this week because, because it was released. It wasn't released, but so. apparently there's spoilers out, so it must have been released on. Well, I'm another sure network. you can find it somewhere else, but I want to watch it on the official Amazon because they're paying Amazon to take care of this and. They're not doing a very good job at it. So Really? <clears throat> so. You missed, well, one, you put too many episodes out on one week. Mm-hmm. Missed the next week we thought was on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then you missed this week for... No reason. That we don't know. Yeah, maybe they're going to release two episodes in another week. Who knows? And then we'll have to do double recording. That's trash. <sighs> already stressed. Ugh. My hair is falling out. Oh, it was already. It is. Out. <laughs> I feel so bad that it just started happening for it you. Just now started happening. This has been so. You had such luscious, <laughs> thick hair <laughs> for the longest, for the longest time. time on your back, and it is falling out. Hey, bitch! I shaved that. Okay. <laughs> Don't uh, <even> start. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about something before we get into our blah blah. blah. Um. <laughs> what? <laughs> our blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's how you say it. Our blah, blah, blah. P H A F J S T D. Podcast. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm kind of pissed. Yeah. So Tell me why you're pissed? Well, there's hey, a Spencer. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey guys, I just want to let you in on a little secret. If you use my Amazon <laughs> code. <laughs> Cash now, you can get JG Wentworth to come sing a song for you. Called JG Wentworth 877 Cash Now. Yeah, that's. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about. We can move on. <laughs> no, I want to hear why you're pissed. Tell me. So <clears throat> there's a, a local case that just got its sentencing today. Yeah. Um, that I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Is it spoopy? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's true crime. So yeah, it's I love spoopy. it. Um, I want to talk about uh, Amber Geiger. Ugh. So Amber Geiger, if n- you don't know out there, because this is very recent, uh, was a well happened last year, but is being tried this yeah. year. She's a Dallas police officer that left work early last uh, uh, last year at night and went home to her apartments. Um, 
she parked on the fourth floor. And I guess it's similar to this where there's like a parking garage, parking garage that's connected. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives on the third floor. She parked on the fourth floor. Mm-hmm. Didn't realize that she was on the fourth floor. Quotations. Quote unquote. Um, so she went into the apartment that she expected to be hers. So <clears throat> at this apartment complex, the locks are like known for being tragic. Mm-hmm. Like they don't latch. You have to kind of jimmy them to, to get it to latch. Um, also they have electric locks so you can put your key in there and it'll like beep if it's the right key and Mm -hmm. like an RFID and then you can turn it open. So she put her key in the lock, didn't make a noise, noticed the door was ajar. So she just opened it. Apparently it was very, very dark in there, but the man was watching TV. So it's not that dark. Yeah. Botham Jean was the man in the apartment. It was his apartment. Mm -hmm. She was on the wrong floor. So she walks into the apartment, um, and she she supposedly said, put your hands up, and he got up. And so she shot twice. She missed him once, and then she shot him in the heart, and he died. Um, <clears throat> she said it was self-defense, and she proclaimed that she believed that she was in her apartment, which I don't believe. No. Because they had a... <clears throat> he had a... Um, bright red doormat. Mm-hmm. Apparently she was too busy because she was texting somebody on her phone while she was walking up to the door. First of all, your door didn't beep. So that should have <coughs> been your first indicator that your door didn't unlock properly. Second of all, red mat. Third of all, I was telling you this off the podcast, the walking into someone else's apartment, it's not going to smell like your apartment. You know what your house smells like and your stuff smells like, and it's not going to smell like you. So it's not yours. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, like the apartments here, I would imagine that they're the same mm-hmm. on every level. Mm-hmm. But I'd still be able to know. Well, one, I have dogs, so mm-hmm. if I walk into an apartment, there's no dogs. I'm in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, two. I mean, you have to realize that you're not in your own home. Oh yeah, hundred percent. The door is not going to make the same noise that it does when you open it. And it's not going to be that dark if he's watching TV. Dark enough if he's watching TV, unless he happens to be in the middle of like a dark scene or something like that. that it was football. Gonna... Oh, so he was then, watching no, football. It was bright. <laughs> I mean, you also, could definitely see it. Is a robber going to be in your house watching football? No. Eating ice cream? <laughs> Absolutely not. On the couch? No. And on top of that, his reaction was completely understandable because regardless if it was a police officer or someone else, an intruder walking into his apartment and say, like, get your hands up, you I'd be like, what house? the fuck are you doing in my house? Like, you don't, you, if you're a police officer, you need a warrant to enter, first of all. Second of all, if you are an intruder, what the fuck are you doing in my house? Like, simple as that. Both of them. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's so many plot holes. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was premeditated. No. I don't think that she had the, I mean... She wanted to go. I don't know. I think she wanted to kill someone. I, th- I don't know that it was him that she was expecting to kill. It could have been. Maybe she had a bout of like, I was pissed off at my upstairs neighbor and just wanted to kill him one day. I mean, that could very well be like lead foot bitch up here. Exactly. I would never kill her, but I want to go up there and say, what the fuck do you have on Give your her feet? Give a good finger wag. <laughs> Ma'am. Listen here, lead foot. <laughs> I need you to get That's a carpet. Not a great thing. <laughs> Either way, so she was found guilty, um, and she was sentenced to ten years in jail today. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I don't think that's fair. No, I think that she needed more. I think she needed a lot more. Uh-huh. So the <clears throat> judge offered to the jury uh, a 
imprisonment sentence between five and 99 years, Mm -hmm. and they chose 10. Which is not enough, in my opinion. I would say 25 at the least. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I get it. You, I mean, there's parts of my brain that say it could very well be an accident, but Mm -hmm. if it was an accident, you don't got to shoot nobody. No. You got to leave. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand why your first uh, instinct is, instinct to, be is to shoot somebody. To shoot. Yeah. Especially when you were not being attacked. You were in no danger whatsoever. We, not, yeah. we have been trained as a American society for some reason to shoot, shoot first, first and then ask questions later. later. Exactly. When using a gun should always be your absolute last, last resort option. Or any weapon, honestly. It should be your last resort option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um <clears throat> She, I, it, it puts that into my mind that somebody with a gun is just like, uh, if anybody fucks with me, I'm just going to shoot you. Yeah. I don't have any qualms or any, uh, you know, I'm not reserved in any way to not shoot somebody. Yeah. If I feel that somebody's doing wrong by me, I can shoot him. Yeah. And I felt, I think that's what she that's felt. exactly true. And so I feel like she Especially deserved a lot longer than that. Here in Texas, because I, I can say this because I know that my uncle... Uh, was a cop, but there's like a, I'm not saying anything against cops here in general. I am going to make a generalization, and I understand that it's not true for all cops here, but there is a culture within. P- well, police. she had posted a lot of things on Facebook that mm-hmm. were like, um, "I wear black because if you do me wrong, I'm already dressed for your funeral." Oh, my God. So she was already in the idea, like, I'm ready to kill someone whenever yeah. I need to. Mm-hmm. So the, once again, cop culture. I mean, it's a cop culture. Like, you have to be an act like a badass or else you're not like a real cop kind of thing. And it's just like you don't need to be. You're not above other people. No, you're not. You, I, we, I've, I really do very much respect police officers because mm-hmm. you can go into a situation where. You're putting your life at danger for other people. Exactly. Which is highly respectable. But in the situation of, you know, you're not on duty. You're not expected to, at a moment's notice, be, you know, ready to protect and serve. But protect and serve other people. She should Mm -hmm. have been protecting and serving the person that she was intruding into his house. She was an intruder who murdered someone. She was breaking and entering into someone's house and then killed them. Simple, plain, simple as that. One thing that has pissed me off about this whole situation is that all of this Facebook stuff, all of the stuff on social media has only showed her face. And I understand that as, as, as you know, she is the person that we're talking about is being sentenced, but no one is showing or talk, telling the story about this innocent man that was completely murdered. Yeah. And it's just like, why? And he was, he was an upstanding guy. He, he was. was an accountant. Mm-hmm. He worked for PricewaterhouseCooper. Mm-hmm. He moved from St. Lucia to America. Mm-hmm. He was an immigrant. Yeah. He worked really hard for what he got. Yeah. And he was shot for being in his own home uh, because she made a mistake. That's why. I, I get it. You made a mistake, mm-hmm. but you need to pay for your mistake. I don't even know if it was a mistake. Like I said, I am not 100% certain that it was not premeditated, especially knowing that in you know culture nowadays, uh, due to our orange peach man in the White House, uh, he has basically created this culture of violence, essentially, that, you know, uh, violence against immigrants, violence against anyone who's different than you. And being here in the South, it's no different. Uh, Taking into consideration cop culture, she looked at it and saw someone who was different than her. Uh, No matter what, she was 
looking for a reason to um, not like him, not necessarily not not necessarily kill him, but any reason to not like him, and then just happen to walk into the wrong apartment and make all these stories up about why mm. she couldn't. I think she would have shot him no matter what race he was. Hmm. I think she was ready to kill whoever just because she was under the impression that she was in her own house. Yeah. Which is, I mean, you walked in the front door. Mm-hmm. Me, I don't have a gun. I'll never have a gun. Uh, if there's somebody in here that I don't recognize, I'm not going to shoot or do anything. I'm going to run back run. the fuck back out that door. <laughs> yeah. I got my keys in my hand. Yeah. I'm not going to knock on any of these neighbors' doors. I'm going right back to my car and call the police. Yeah, if there, if I ever find an instance where like my door is not working properly or something like that, uh, the my first instance is not going to be like, you know, I need to attack. Need to break? Yeah, break into. Well, I did break into my own house one time, but well, <laughs> that's a different. You're story. trash. <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but no, I'm not going to cause that that much damage to another person's life like it's just i'm gonna look out for me first and not anything else i'm gonna run i'm gonna get out of that because i have not been trained to kill someone with a gun and that's essentially what she she was trigger happy yep. that's all it is she's she trigger, trigger happy wanted happy. to shoot it shoot that gun and shoot she, it at yeah. someone mm-hmm. so um well i imagine we'll see lots of opinions on it i only watched a little bit of it Mm -hmm. and I haven't been following it as closely as the reporters or anything like that. But yeah, I'm sure much more will um, be emerging soon. I'm sure she'll potentially have a tell all story at some point or something like that. I'm sure she'll be released early on good behavior. So probably will. That's what Thomas said is that she's going to release some sort of movie deal. Yeah. She'll, she'll get some sort of movie deal and that will somehow paint her as this beautiful white woman who is a heroine and, you know, save, save the day from someone else or some other facts or someone's going to plant evidence in this man's house or something like that to make paint him like he's a terrible human being. Uh, which I think is something that they hap- that happened. Whenever it first happened, they were like, oh, he had weed in his apartment. It's like, why the fuck does it matter if he had weed in his apartment? He, they, his, his goddamn apartment. He, he could have had weed in the apartment. I know it may not be legal, but that doesn't make him a bad person. <laughs> he didn't deserve to die. No. Ugh, anyways, this whole situation. We'll find out more later, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about it again. But, mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about other spoopy things. <laughs> Let's get into some spoopy things. Um, okay, so you went first last time, so I'm going to go ahead and go. Um, so I'm going to kind of wrap up and finally finish up with my whole series on uh, medical spoopy stuff um, and stuff like that. Uh, and go, we're going to go back a little bit of time. Uh, we're going to start in the early, I'm sorry, late 1800s and then go into the all the way up to the 80s. So probably about a 100 year time span that we're going to be looking at here. Um, but what are we going to be t- talking about today? Uh, I believe it's your grinder name, Low Bottom E. Low Bottoms E. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about the history of lobotomies. Um, so for those that don't know, uh, what is a lobotomy? Um, it is a psychosurgery for neurological treatment of a mental disorder or illness by severing connections in the brain's prefrontal cortex. It's somebody putting a drill into your brain and letting it whir around. There you go. Them. The connections between the prefrontal prefrontal cortex and the anterior part of the frontal lobes are completely severed. So basically it's just going to be taking a bunch of the tissue up front and just kind of scrambling it, up it around and say, 
you're cured. You're doing great. And where do they get? You're going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. We've got uh, quite a bit of information, and I found a lot more information than I was expecting to find on the history of lobotomies. Uh, well, it was almost a, too much. A very, I mean, it was a, they thought it did something. Yeah, exactly. When they first figured it, it out. We're going to get into some of, the, some of these, and a lot of it was um, just medical scientists saying, yeah, look at these results, and there's not really any results, so... <laughs> They were manic before, and we gave them a lobotomy, and now they're very, they... They don't do nothing. docile as fuck. <laughs> they're just sitting there in that chair. Look at them go. Margaret, are you having a good day? <laughs> Eyes are pointing different directions. <laughs> Drool. <laughs> she's great. You're doing great. She, she always looks that way when we she's had having a, a nice day. <laughs> the eye rolls into the back of the head. Just one, <laughs> Just though. pops out. <laughs> well, we'll get into that and why that could be a uh, real thing. Um... So let's get into the history of the lobotomy. So these operations originally called leucotomies, leucotomies, um, L-E-U-C-O-T-O-M-Y, leucotomies. Um, uh, They came about during a time when medical professionals were giving people uh, with syphilis who had gotten syphilis by other doctors as well. Did you ever hear about the Tuskegee trials in Alabama in the 20s? When the government was giving I've, black I've men syphilis and basically just watching them go insane because yeah. syphilis has three stages. You get you know the sores and you get a rash and then and you, you go, crazy. go crazy. And that's typically within five to ten years after not being diagnosed with it or not getting treatment for it because it's just simple penicillin makes it go away. Yeah. Um, uh, they also used it this uh, during the time they were also using insulin shock therapy. Uh, so drugging people with too much insulin to make their bodies go haywire. Uh, and uh, they were also using cardiazole, card, cardiazole uh, therapy, which is basically like a almost like a blood thinner or a stimulant for your heart and uh, for your heart. Uh, and so it was like making you go rapid crazy. Uh, they were also doing electroshock therapy a lot. Uh, they were using deep sleep therapy. Uh, I mean, Ooh, these are all deep sleep therapy. They would basically drug you to a point of coma to leave you there for a couple of weeks until you came back. Yeah, it's hmm. kind of fucked up. <laughs> I'd like a deep sleep therapy, honestly. <laughs> Put me in a coma for a month. Sounds like a vacation. <laughs> get me all become a skinny legend. Get plenty <laughs> of sleep. I mean, uh, what are the consequences? Of this I mean, one? bed sore maybe. Yeah, maybe. But they'll go away. Yeah, they'll get they'll get better. Muscle um, degradation. <laughs> Who needs just them? walk out and your legs collapse. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is funny. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. I'm still into it. <laughs> I still <laughs> want to do it. Uh, but yeah, that, they were using these different methods to treat those that were in mental hospitals in the early 1900s. There was a large influx for some reason uh, at the beginning of the 1900s because people were starting to not... Um, Except those that once again accept those that were different from them, and so they were just like, let's just put them all in big old hospitals together and call it a day. So this paved way for psychiatrists to investigate even more forms of quote unquote therapy, despite the risks that they pose to patients. Uh, before even the 1900s, there was a Swiss doctor named Gottlieb Burkhardt. Uh, in 1888, who believed that essentially misfirings in the brain and pathological reasons, so basically they were saying like some sort of virus or some sort of uh, uh, issue with your brain uh, was to blame for the mental illnesses. Uh, So by creating quote-unquote ditches in the brain, 
he could recreate new pathways to help cure the mental illness. Uh, so he operated on six different patients during his time uh, where he had two patients with no change, two patients who became quieter, one patient who had epileptic, epileptic seizures and died, and one who suppo supposedly improved. Uh, and by quote-unquote ditches, I'm talking about he's going in Making and like, like carvings in their brain. Um, he claimed... Uh, he claimed a 50% success rate by saying that the one patient who supposedly got better uh, and then I guess the two patients who became quieter um, were the 50, yeah, they were the 50% success rate. And then he reported these to his colleagues in the Berlin Medical Conference, but the responses were very hostile um, and they did not. And so at that point, he did not continue his research. They were basically like, wow, you're really going in there and fucking with organs and saying this is great. Uh, that's a good, that's a no go for me. Yeah. Um, so he was basically put put away very quickly. So two doctors in St. Petersburg, Russia, criticized Burkhardt's work in 1912. Yet reports came out later that in 1910, one of the one of those two physicians named Ludwig Pusep <laughs> performed. Yeah, I love that. P u u s e p p, Pusep. Well, Pusep? Maybe Pusep. 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 I mean, that's a good name. <laughs> Solid name. Would, I mean, I don't think in Russian they were like, that's weird. <laughs> For us, it's like... <laughs> I mean, send them to a different. second grade class. See what happens. Uh, you say any weird name to a second grade class, they'd be like... <laughs> you said Ashley. David! <laughs> what the fuck is that? Exactly. Um, so the... Ludwig had actually two years previously before saying like <laughs> this guy's work was trash uh, had actually done very the similar thing. thing. He had gone and performed sectioning on three mentally ill patients uh, with poor results, which he most likely resulted in bad mouthing the other guy. He was like, well, that did not work. So I'm going to go make fun of this guy to cover up all of my work instead. Don't look at anything behind me here. Just look at how awful he is. Don't look at the dead people behind this curtain. <laughs> That's just where I keep all of my marshmallow collection. You don't need to go behind the curtain. Why is it okay? so big and lumpy? Don't worry exactly. about them. Because they're just really... Uh, don't worry about it. They're really nice. Puffy. It's jet puffed. They're jet puffed, they okay? They smell like dead bodies. They might be decaying. I don't know. It's fine. Open uh, his freezer. There's a head. Oh. <gasps> yikes. Oh, too soon. Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm. Call back to you last week and... 18 weeks, Four. 19 weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Memories. Four and score and 20 years ago. Back in my day. I mean, do you take your Boniva today? Oh, I need to. Yeah. I take it at night, though. Uh, so in 1935, Antonio Egas Moniz, uh, a... Yep. <laughs> That's a name. Antonio Egas Moniz. Egas. 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 Uh, he was a, a, a Portuguese doctor in Lisbon, uh, performed the world's first leucotomy, which involved drilling several holes in the patient's skull to access the brain and then sever the tissues in the brain. His inspiration came from a doctor named John Fulton and his colleague Carlisle Jacobson, who apparently operated on two chimpanzees with quote-unquote tantrums uh, and obtained a state that they referred to as a happiness cult. <laughs> cult? As if they had joined a happiness cult, is what they said. So they basically said, like, oh, these chimpanzees that used to 
be like defecate and throw it at people and and you scream and be all emotional now just sit there and just smile (laughs) like because their brain don't work no mo okay i mean i don't want to be around a chimpanzee that's not like that not throwing their poop they can tear your face off oh yeah 100 percent. actually i just don't want to be around any chimpanzees yeah we'll leave it at that i'm not certain that i really trust uh non-human prime i don't even trust humans i just don't trust primates dogs he's not a he's not a primate i know but you trust dogs uh not kennedy why bite my arm off no kennedy Kennedy. like arms (laughs) i want an arm currently no. Going to feast on yours tonight. He's busy. He's sleeping. He's a with his dog. eyes open, staring at you. Well, he's not a primate, so I can maybe trust him. We'll see what happens. Um, sis, sis, period. And I, so Moniz allegedly, uh, allegedly, allegedly, uh-huh. shocked Fulton by asking if it could be used on mentally ill humans. And Fulton was like, <gasps> Oh my god. I guess so. <laughs> How could you ever be so brave, yet so daring? So that, three months after... <laughs> so basically it was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to tell you to do it, but... Go I'm not going to say it. no, but here's a drill. <laughs> Just this Slides is what you should table. do, because this is what I did to the monkeys. So go see what's going over there behind that curtain. Um... So three months after that, uh, with the help of surgeon Pedro Lima, Dr. Moniz operated on his first patient from a mental hospital, severing and injecting white nerve tissues with ethanol. Uh, The patient was declared, quote unquote, cured of her depression, yet was never released from the mental hospital. (laughs) So he claimed that as a success. All she had was depression. Just... They used to give you vibrators back then. Yeah, I know. Just I wanted to vibrator. talk about the history of the vibrators too, but that's not really spoopy. That's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> I know some of the things they used to like give uh, give people t- uh, tampons soaked with codeine. Oh yeah, yeah. fuck me. Imagine up. <laughs> that. Like put, putting a rag with codeine up your vagina is like. Oh Have you ever God. noticed how the world stops moving <laughs> if you don't breathe? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how I'd be like that. I'd be like, hey, what's up? Can you pour water down my throat? I'm really thirsty. Can you also, like, stroke my throat? Because I'm not certain I can even swallow at this point. Get this baby out. (laughs) What's that from? I don't know. Oh, it's from Busy Drag Queen. I've never seen that. Busy drag queen, so busy. It's a drag queen, and she has a, str- a suitcase, and she just runs around town. People ask her to do things, and she says, I can't. I'm busy. Is that Billy on the street? No. No. It's, her name is Busy. Her name is Busy the drag queen? Busy, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, there's this pregnant lady on the street, and she's like, busy drag queen, my water just broke. Can you drive me to the hospital? She was like, oh, I would love to, but... I'm busy. <laughs> and she says, get this baby out. <laughs> and then busy drag queen runs away. Runs away. Runs, runs away. Runs away. Uh, well, that's funny. I might have to look that up. It's so funny. That sounds lit. It's slaps. Slaps. Um, so, yeah. She was supposedly cured. So then the next seven patients had several surgeries to get the... the oh, I'm sorry. The next seven patients went... Let me start again. 
the next seven patients uh-huh. did the same procedure, but they had to do the same procedure multiple times because they wanted to get the de- quote-unquote desired, desired results. So basically fuck up their brain as much as possible to see if they do stop holding still. Um, I didn't write this down, but they were basically using people with depression, people with anxiety, people with schizophrenia, people with... Um, Basically, anything that a doctor would have been like, yep, you're insane. Like, just go in there. You're crazy. I'm not dealing with that back in the early 90s, um, which was basically everything. Early 1900s. 1900s, not 90s. Yes, let me clarify that. 1900s. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay, I got two hours of sleep last night. Give me a little bit of a break. I'm trying here, okay? Agent Scully has depression. All of the words are like swirling on the paper right now, and I have to just grab at them. Oh, Um, my God. You're you're mentally insane. Let's give you a lobotomy. Let's get get one. (laughs) I think I have a screwdriver. Um, I got a really sharp knife. We'll just pop it in your ear. Well, just wait until I get into the description of exactly what a lobotomy entails. I know a lot about it. Um, The entry point, I'm sure I think I know. But I think there's more than one. Yep. Um, So then the ninth patient uh, had the surgery, uh, which, oh, by by the way, this certain method of lobotomy entailed six holes drilled into the head. Um, So there was big holes in your head. Um, The ninth one followed by the ninth one, which had... He had to have more than the six holes drilled into his head. Um, So after the first run of nine patients, Moniz and Lima... Guess what happened? Got arrested. Nope. They got to operate on 20 more patients. (laughs) They got the Nobel Prize. Yep. They, uh, they, according to his published assessment, the outcome for these first 20 patients was that 35% or a total of seven cases improved significantly. Another 35% were somewhat improved and the remaining 30 cases were unchanged. So he was basically claiming that he had a 70% success rate from all of these people. Which and even baffling. if you do it, nothing bad happens. Yeah, nothing bad happened. No one died, which is true. None of his patients died, somehow. Um, there were no deaths, and he did not consider that any patients had deteriorated following the leukotomy whatsoever. Um, despite much opposition and much hostility towards his findings, his claims of his results made their way uh, for experimental procedures to become widely adopted and used in the late 30s in Brazil, Cuba, Italy, Romania, and the United States. Moniz won the Nobel Prize in medicine in 1949 for his work on creating the modern-day lobotomy. Yeah. Um, can you believe that? <laughs> That's what happened. Uh, I was actually reading further down uh, that there was a, there's a lot of people like in this century now that are like contesting this get and basically saying like this is not something that's tr- like should have ever happened. So please get rid of it, and they they won't. The Nobel, uh, the, the I mean, Academy. Is that what we call them? I think it's the Academy. <laughs> the Nobel Academy. I don't know. Well, they're crooked. They're not going to give Donald Trump a Nobel Peace Prize. Oh my god, he doesn't deserve it. He's, what has he done to incite peace? No, we're not getting into that. We're focusing He's on arguing about it. destroying people's brains, um, which I, I mean, same thing. Probably, yeah. You are, you are right. I've had a massive headache since 2016. Well, let's <laughs> let's get it cured for you because <laughs> it's gonna bother me. <laughs> this can do a lot of things for you. Little did you know. 
Uh, so different renditions of the leucotomy began in Italy before the outbreak of World War II. So they were doing things where they were sticking like just needles in your like lobes here and underneath your eyes um, and injecting ethanol in there. Uh, they were doing all sorts of like different things because uh, there's the Italian lobotomy. There's the Does American the lobotomy. Too? Does it like burn your brain? What? Does the ethanol like burn your brain? It's alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. It's burning your brain. It's eating it. Basically, um, and so the, it basically is burning the the tissues away uh, because they no one had really done any research on what the brain did at all. There was not modern day research on what the brain did at all. So they were just like, yeah, seems like burning it sounds like a good idea. Just get it out of there. So then the first because <laughs> that's the problem. They've got too much brain. Yeah, <laughs> get <laughs> too rid much of some brain because they they got so much brain that they're crazy. So just burn it out. Yep. <laughs> just see what happens. Um, the first lobotomy that, or I guess technically leucotomy. It's we're still talking about leucotomies right now. Uh, was by Walter Freeman in 1936. Uh, using the ideas from the Italian leucotomies, Freeman wanted to develop a means for those who needed his lobotomies the most. Those that were in mental hospitals that had no operating rooms available to them because it was still considered a medical procedure. So they had to do it with a licensed neurosurgeon and, or I guess license. I don't know if they had licenses in the thirties. Um, a doctor that has a piece of paper. Exactly. Some sort of person who thinks that they're a medical professional um, and it had to be in an operating room. And so basically Freeman was like, um, I want to do it for the people who need it the most, which are the mentally ill. And let's make it an outpatient procedure. <laughs> exactly. And so he basically made it a clinic because he created what is known as the modern day, I think it's tactical or no, transorbital lobotomy. He wrote it it's in the next sentence. Um, yeah. He developed his own method that did not require an operating room. Instead, it used basically an ice pick. Yep. Uh, and it, he practiced it on grapefruits and cadavers first. Yep. Because that's apparently what you got to do. Come on down. Get your lobotomy today. Go home tonight. <laughs> yeah. Take it home tonight. Uh, so let me go ahead and tell you what the lobotomy is. So mm -hmm. this new transorbital lobotomy involves lifting the upper eyelid and placing the point of a thin surgical instrument, also called the orbitoclast or leucotome. Leucotome. Mm-hmm. Um, although quite different from the wire loop leucotome described previously, but that's a different situation. Sorry. Um, so you slide that underneath the eyelid Oof. against the top of the eye socket. A you mallet was then used to drive the orbitoclast through the thin layer of bone that's above the eye socket there, uh, and into the brain along the plane of the bridge of the nose. So it's kind of even with the bridge of the nose going up into that. And you have to go in... Oh, it's, um, yeah, around 15 degrees towards the interhemispherical fissure. Uh, the orbitoclast was then malleted five centimeters or two inches into the frontal lobe Ugh. and then pivoted 40 degrees at the orb uh, orbit perforation so that the tip cut towards the opposite side of the head uh, towards the nose. So basically bending it towards the nose, or yeah, towards the nose. To be level with the yes, nose. Yes, exactly. Did um, you write anything about Russ Kennedy? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay. I didn't go into depth about it. Do you have more information about it? Well, they Besides made the her sing. Um, they made her sing the national anthem. The national until anthem she until she, she couldn't remember. The yeah, words. I knew that one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that one's great, right? <laughs> it's like it's just oh, say can, can you? you sing? I can't sing. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
That's so sad. I don't know why I'm laughing about that. Yeah, so then it's pivoted 40 degrees of the orbital perforation, so the cut to the tip cut towards the opposite side of the head. Uh, the instrument was then returned to the neutral position and then sent a further two centimeters or about another inch uh, into the brain before pivoting around 28 degrees each side to cut outwards and inwards. Uh, so side to side. Um, and then all cuts were designed to transect the white fibrous matter connected to the cortical tissue of the prefrontal cortex to the thalamus. The leucotome or optical the thing. The needle. Uh, yeah. Was then withdrawn and then the procedure was repeated on the other side. So Spencer's over here screaming, squishing in his seat because I'm over here giving him yeah, I don't like <laughs> play by stuff. play with my hands. <laughs> like I can't watch people put it in contacts. It's just too Yeah, much. it's gross. So imagine watching someone stick a mallet, a nice little pick in there, just getting uh, getting all cleaned out. Like making um, cotton candy. Oh, brain candy. Yum. Yum. Is that what uh, people in Alabama have? Yep. <laughs> They go we down to the road. Ice cream. And Is that their ice cream? They go down to the road, get the roadkill, pop the brain out, mm-hmm. put it on a a paper straw because they're not fucking monsters. And then they because they don't it. have plastic there. Well, yeah, but they're also bio friendly, you know. Oh, okay, fine. They're bio friendly that they're eating the. <laughs> I mean, they're not eating red meat. <laughs> That's pretty red. <laughs> or it's burned from the road. Probably. Yeah. Or Any- it must be hot there. Anyways, that's gross. <laughs> well, wow, wow, my stomach wow, was already wow. not feeling great. That's wonderful. Love that. Um, so then he performed the first quote unquote ice pick lobotomy or transorbital lobotomy uh, in 1946 on a live human. Freeman used general anesthesia for anesthesia for this, uh, but where this was not available. He used electroshock therapy instead because that was much more common in the 30s uh, to render them unconscious first. So he basically shocked someone until they were unconscious and then stick some in their eyeball and say, yay, we did it. Uh, so between, And the people can't be like, no, yeah, I don't want They didn't really this. have a choice at this point. They were, like, they were probably already schizophrenic or something like that and they didn't want to be around and people like, yeah, or shouldn't have been around stop people. If exactly. I do that. And so then they probably were, you know, strapped down to a chair or something like that, shocked, and then he just went in and was like, Are you good? Fucking clockmaker. Yeah. So between 1940 and 1945, before, before 1946, before he did his first official, like, transorbital lobotomy, only 684 lobotomies had been performed, but due to the fervent promotion by Freeman and his associate at the time, the number sharply increased towards the end of the decade. In 1949, which was a peak year for lobotomies in the U.S., there were 5,074 conducted in one year, uh, with 18,608 individuals being lobotomized by 1951. In the U.S., a total of over 40,000 lobotomies occurred, an estimated 17,000 in the United Kingdom, 9,300 in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, and in Japan, it was even used on children for behavioral issues. So if you had a headache, lobotomy. If you had migraines, lobotomy. If you were sick, lobotomy. If you were a bad kid, lobotomy. I mean, there was just, everything was just like, "Mm, come in here, get it, get it, Yep, got it. In and out. Imagine they did for gay people, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but guess what? During this time, it was banned in Russia and <laughs> Germany. Yep. So during the times that you would think that that was a perfect practice, that was actually not allowed there. 
Um, so we were doing it here in the United States, the UK. I mean, all Western areas were doing these lobotomies, and Russia and Germany were not doing them at we're the like, time. Guys, chill out. Chill out. Russia even went on record to say that they were like, this is like completely inhumane and like goes against like treatment, good treatment of humans. And it's like, that's coming from Russia in the 50s. You're blowing nuclear bombs up over people and have nuclear facilities that are overflowing, <laughs> and you don't you care about lobotomies? Yep. Like that's baffling to me. A nuclear reserve just blew up near uh, Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, probably okay. <laughs> don't you touch that man's yeah. brain? <laughs> don't you get near Chernobyl? But lobotomies, no. no. <laughs> so by the late '70s, the practice had almost ceased, except it continued in France until the late '80s. Um, Those French. I know. Seriously. They know what they're doing. They, they, well, they don't. They had too many lobotomies. Um, so I have a couple of notable lobotomies in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Rosemary Kennedy, uh, sister to John F. Kennedy. She w- underwent a lobotomy in 1941 that left her incapacitated and institutionalized for the rest of her life. Yep. And she was just like, not. she was an all right child. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when uh, John Sr., was on his campaign trails. She was acting out. Oh yeah. So I don't remember anything explicitly that she did, but she was just like, not really like the, the rest of her, her children, yeah. the rest of his children. Like I'm going to go become a doctor. Or, yeah. I'm going to run for office. She was just kind of like, I'm okay. I'm going to do whatever fuck I want to. Cause she's the youngest too. Yeah. And so he was like, Ugh. Ugh. We got to find a, this is a behavioral problem. We got to fix it. Oh my Gave God. her a lobotomy. Yep. And she never she spoke again. She never spoke again because she could not operate her body anymore. Nope. Um, so then in two. And so hers was like, like, of what I understood, it was very, like a deep lobotomy. Well, the, yeah, the, this was in 1941. This was before the ice pick lobotomy. The ice pick lobotomy didn't take off until the, until 1946. Okay. So this, this was like holes in the brain thing still. Yeah. So. They were really drilling in there, doing things. Keep going. Yeah. So there's a couple more um, of them. There were several other ones, but they were like a violin player in like uh, Austria or something. They were people that were not going to be the most well-known. So I just wrote a couple of them. In 2011, an Argentinian neurosurgeon examined x-rays of Eva Perón. Um, and found that she had underwent a lobotomy in the later years of her life. Really? Did you know that? No. Yeah, because I guess she was in like a lot of pain or something like that, so they just... Cut out took, her brain. Took her out. <laughs> it's fine. Um, and then one of the most notable ones uh, was actually came to light in 2006 and 2007 uh, when a man named Howard Doley wrote a... Um, a memoir that said that he had underwent a lobotomy. It was picked up by NPR in 2006. And so Dolly told NPR in 2006, if you saw me, you'd never know that I'd had a lobotomy. The only thing that you'd notice is that I'm very tall, weigh about 350 pounds, but I've always felt different. I wondered if something's missing from my soul. I have no memory of the operation and never had the courage to ask my family about it at the time. So, Hmm. I mean, he apparently underwent this when he was 12. And the reason was because uh, his mother thought that he was defiant. Yep. And she took him to a number of doctors, and they were just like, he's just a kid being a kid. And so finally she found a doctor that did it. And I don't know if it made any made any change to him, but he so- somehow survived the operation and did everything fine. So, hmm. yeah. 
So some there are several instances very similar to this where, where people didn't ever know that they had a lobotomy or um, you know they were Couldn't ended up remember. being fine. Exactly. I mean, and then then we also have all the untold stories of the people who were in mental hospitals and completely treated like crap and stuff like that. Um, I have my own personal stories that both my. Uh, You've I had guess, a lobotomy. What? No. What? what it, yeah, probably. Uh, that would make a lot of sense. Um, no, both but of I my. I don't know why. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Let me just, just put my finger in this hole. This little hole underneath my eyelid here. Um, no. So my. Uh, what would have been my uncle's? We had uh, a genetic illness in our family um, that. I mean, it. It wasn't just for. Um, people with schizophrenia or depression or anything like that. It was, I mean, like I said, they were doing it for everyone. They were also doing it on anyone with like Down syndrome or, you know, genetic diseases or something like that, that they didn't understand why they were that they way that they were because they didn't understand genetics at the time. Um, and so they both had to go to mental hospitals because they had like deteriorating bodies and conditions and stuff. And so they were taken to mental hospitals uh, when they were in France, when they were stationed in France because my dad was in uh or I'm sorry, my grandfather was in the military, so he they got would, lobotomies. Probably, <laughs> but yeah, my mom was too young to remember. But yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> Jeez. So yeah, the, so the mental hospitals back in the uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, and all that during that time were, were not, not the place to be. No, they were not uh, hip hop happening places. I mean, they were uh, on point. They were Ugh. shockingly amazing. <laughs> they. Got in your brain. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. Yeah, <laughs> you are home. I know. Uh, yeah. So that's a little bit of the history of the lobotomy. I figure that our uh, listeners might enjoy like a little history lesson uh, instead of just talking about creepy murders and all that fun jazz. So you know what else they might like to hear? Oh my god. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Did you know that the unemployment rate is below 4% in the U.S.? Oh, my God. I didn't it's, know it. It's my pretty brain low. is scrambled. Uh, if you didn't already know that, it's because you, uh, if you, bleh. if you did, you already knew that if you're trying to hire someone, unless you had a lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Economy Works is here to help. Don't have the time, energy, or the resources to hire? Economy Works is ready to help you write job descriptions, find candidates, review resumes, and phone screen candidates. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the, the economy, economy works. works. Find Woo. out more at economyworks.com. That's E C O N O M I W O R K S.com. We did it without getting any lobotomy. Spelling economy is so difficult. Well, I couldn't even figure out how to say half these words, so. And I should mm. know them all. <laughs> I knew them all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course you did. With my marketing degree. Oh, you knew what a leukotomy was? I knew that leukemia had to do with the brain That's cancer. Not so they, the Le- whatever. Leukemia is also blood cancer. Shut up. <laughs> I assumed brain and I was right. <laughs> I was wrong about leukemia. Anyways. Um, <clears throat> so I want to talk about something spoopy, too. Do it. So uh, I'm kind of leading off of last week and the week before. Mm-hmm. So you did John Bonet, uh-huh. And the week before that, I did Andrea Yates. Mm-hmm. Um, so it reminded me of a case that I remember being pretty interested in. Uh-huh. And it was one of the most talked about cases of, of our adult lifetime. Oh, my God. Tell me what it is. Um, I want to talk about Kaylee Anthony. Casey Anthony. Kaylee Anthony. Kaylee. Kaylee's the baby. 
Oh, okay. Casey's a bitch. Okay. <laughs> um, so the case of Casey Anthony. Okay, sorry. Um, so <laughs> ruin your thunder. Yeah, because you're so rude. Fucking bitch. <laughs> um, the case centers a lot, a lot on the mother of Kaylee Anthony, Casey. Um, so I think it's kind of important that we talk about Casey Anthony's background. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really young when she gave birth to Kaylee. Uh, so Casey was born in March 1986 in Ohio. Uh, for all accounts, she was uh, known as an outgoing and happy person. However, a prominent factor of Casey's personality was a trait of habitual lying. Hmm. Um, one of the early going to come back to bite her. <laughs> I don't know if it will or not, but um. we'll see. <laughs> Weird. Um, so one of the earlier instances of her lying happened in high school. Uh, Casey was planning to graduate after four years of high school. However, she did not have enough credits to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't stop Casey from telling everyone she was going to graduate. So she told her, her parents would ask her from time to time about the details of her graduation. Um, Every time she'd lie and she'd find an excuse and blamed it on the school. So they were like, where's your cap and gown? She was like, school didn't order it for me. (laughs) Stupid. And they were like, oh, okay. I had to order my cap and gown. Me too. (laughs) Um, So they continued to believe that she was graduating. They planned her whole ceremony. They were like invited people to come watch her graduate. They planned a party for her. Oh my God. Um, and they let everybody keep on going. Um, and then the day before the ceremony, the school called, uh, and informed George and Cindy, her parents that Casey would not be graduating. She didn't have enough credits In a strange turn of events. Cindy, the mother let all the plans continue. She, they had the family to attend the grad party, uh, grad ceremony. She still held the party. They still accepted gifts and money. Um, and then when people would ask, you know, why is she, why didn't she walk? She said it was a school with a mistake, but she still got her diploma. So they encouraged this bad behavior. Yeah. This lying. I would have been like, you get to stand out there in front of all these people and tell them, give all of their money back and all of their gifts back and tell them why. Yep. Um, so bitch. that's the first one. Ugh. And um, the parents allowed it. Mm-hmm. Part of a trend. Mm-hmm. Obviously. So after high school, Casey remained at home. She didn't go away to college, but she did get a job. Um, she worked at Universal Studios, but as a third-party contractor selling photos. Um, at this time, she met Jesse Grund, an LP officer, a loss prevention officer at Universal Studios, uh, in January of 2003. So basically like a mall cop for Universal Studios. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so she attaches herself to him very quickly, um, as she does with many people. Mm-hmm. What state did she... You said she lived in Ohio? She was born in Ohio. Okay. She lives in Florida. Oh, that makes sense. She's in Orlando. <laughs> um, so at this point in her life, she gets pregnant. Okay. Um, Jesse's father asks if she's pregnant. She n- denies it. Uh, at a family gathering, Casey's uncle asks Cindy if she's pregnant, and Cindy says it's just water weight. But she's That's a, a very lot of water weight. Yeah, she's a very tiny girl, and it's mm. very obvious that she's pregnant. Yeah, um, especially but, since it does not look like fat; it is a giant bump. balloon. Yeah, so her parents are lying for her being pregnant, and she's very obviously pregnant. Um, Casey tells Jesse that the baby is his, uh, but the math doesn't really add up. So. Her due date was August, and of course they met in January, which mm-hmm. is eight months, which is not possible. Um, anyways, on August 9th, 2005, Kaylee Anthony is born. 
Strange fact about her birth. George Anthony was in the room watching her give birth. Her dad. Behind the doctor. Yep. Ew. Um, Jesse met Casey's parents for the first time in the delivery room. Uh, and Cindy was the first person to hold Kaylee, not the mother, Casey. <laughs> Just weird. So they're a strange do family. Do you think that the dad had something to do with it? Well, we'll get there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesse Grund is unsure whether or not the child is his. So he took a paternity test. Apparently, it took six weeks to get results on these in the, 2009. No, it take a couple of days. Uh, so in six weeks' time, he fell in love with Kaylee. Uh, and he grew to see himself as Kaylee's father. The paternity test came back ne- negative, And Jesse continued to act as his father figure and uh, because he didn't want anybody else to serve as Kaylee's father. Uh, he proposed to Casey in December of that year, and Cindy was not pleased. Did she not like Jesse? She didn't like Jesse. Although he said, I'm going to take care of everything. Her life would have been totally different had she just Followed stayed him. Yeah. with Jesse. Um, but at that time, uh, Cindy and George were going through a separation. Mm-hmm. Um, George didn't live at home when mm-hmm. Kaylee was born. He had been living on his own for like 10 months. So I think Cindy was just kind of vindicated against men. Yeah. Um, so and she, she was just like, total I don't want any of that. And she wanted total control. She thought that if she married Jesse, they'd move out. She'd be all alone. Exactly. Um, so a while after the engagement, a couple months, Jesse said he started to notice a change in Casey. Uh, He said she was changing into a different person, quote, like a woman who had lost her youth. She began to go out and party, and he broke the engagement off because she told him, you love Kaylee more than you love me. So? My mom tells me that all the time. She's like, I will always love my children more than I would love anyone else. (laughs) Whoop. Um, So... (laughs) Casey remained at home and kind of lived off her parents for a while. Um, After her maternity leave, she didn't respond to calls to return to work. So she didn't go back, but she never told anybody. Wait, she was partying during her maternity leave? No, not yet. Oh. Um, The partying happens a bit later. Okay. So the maternity leave, this is like right after. We've got to wait until Casey's about two or three for something like that to happen. Okay. But she does hang out with all kinds of people and she may not be, she, people will say she hangs out with all these people, but like when she brings Kaylee over to somebody's house, she doesn't let people smoke. They can't drink around Kaylee, but they claim that or that actually happened. They claim that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so anyways, so she told people she was going back to work and she let everyone think that. Mm -hmm. Um, so she would leave Kaylee with her parents or with friends to go to work. Uh, and she would just leave and she'd go hang around with her friends, play video games, go shopping, all kinds of things. Do whatever the fuck she wanted to. Yeah. With probably her mom's money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we will get there. Oh my gosh. Um, so she lied through her teeth to get people to do whatever she wanted. Mm Mm-hmm. She continually borrowed money from her parents without any intention of paying them back. Uh, she lied about getting a second job in order to spend more time away from the house and away from Kaylee. Um, and then she said that she got a promotion uh, at work. So that she could spend even more time away from everyone. Mm-hmm. So that second job, she said she worked at a sports authority. Um, and one time 
the babysitter, her friend, called her and she was like, there's a problem. She called the sports authority. There's no Casey Anthony here. Oh, my God. She was like, no, there's a Casey Anthony here. And No, we've never had anybody employed by that name. Here. <laughs> Calls Casey Anthony. And she's like, they just made a mistake. Yeah. Well, that's her not dad, a mistake that you just make. Her dad comes up to the sports authority to ask to have lunch with her. She's not there. Because she doesn't work They've never work heard there. of her. <laughs> but she lies, of course. And she tells her mom that he's being crazy and she's like back up off your daughter so the mom defended her the mom defends her all the time um so yeah so now she's an event planner for universal studios so she could basically leave at a moment's notice on work emergencies she'd uh craft fake work emails and would email them to herself from addresses that she had created jesus uh, and she'd show her her parents and she'd say oh they're having an emergency i gotta go um, so there's that. Uh, she also faked a boyfriend. She faked a boyfriend named Jeff who had a great job. He had a kid. He had his life all together. Um, all the attempts from her parents to meet Jeff, uh, would result in a situation arising where he couldn't come. So they tried to have dinner and, oh no, his kid is sick. They try to have dinner again. Oh, he's got a work emergency. He can't come. Right as they're sitting down to eat. Well, they created... What are they shocked about? They created this culture of this lying... They allowed her to do this. So I'm just building, mm. girl. Uh, last time, she says... They say, bring him on over. Can't. Move to North Carolina. We're going to try to keep it long distance, though. So... <laughs> August 2007, they're planning for Kaylee's second birthday party. Casey goes to the store. She buys decorations, a cake, all kinds of things for her daughter's birthday party. I hate this. Goes back to the birthday party. Everybody's so impressed. Everybody loves it. Um, except uh, Cindy's mother, Casey's grandmother, who uh, noticed that her checkbook didn't balance. Casey had stolen a check from her grandmother and used it to pay for everything. Oh my God. Um, she also begins to take her mother's credit cards. Um, but all, as if the parents don't already know that she's stealing money for them though. Or they, that's not stealing. They were giving it to her. Yes. Now she's stealing it. Um, George was depositing $30 a week in an account for Kaylee um, that she would eventually use for graduation mm -hmm. or uh, college or whatever. Um, Casey found out about it, drained it all but $5. Oh my God. You only need $5 to keep the account open. Uh, Casey then falsifies deposit slips and shows them to her mother and says that she's paid her back. Cindy said, Oh, okay, good. Goes, tries to spend all the money. Isn't that There's super there. illegal? <laughs> yes. But only if you report it. Oh my God. So she just overdrew on all her accounts. Mm -hmm. um, Casey also takes the routing numbers off her grandmother's check and logs into her mobile banking and clears out an account that was placed to support Casey's grandfather's fund to pay in a nursing home. Oh my God. That's so fucked up. Yep. Holy shit. She's a bitch. Wow. Um, George and Cindy finally are like they're under their head in debt or over their head in debt. All of them are now. <laughs> um, so they go to see a financial advisor. Casey had stolen over $40,000 from them. Holy shit. The financial advisor suggests that they cut ties with their daughter and also suggests to get attempted uh, attempt to get custody of their granddaughter mm -hmm. because you can't just cut your daughter out of your life with a 
granddaughter. Um, you could, but well, yeah. Then again, I, it, the Kennedy. person that says trust your gut and avoid children. So there's already that. He's growling. He's growling. Um, so now we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey falls in love with a man named Tony, a club promoter and college student from Long Island. So on June 1st, Casey tells Cindy that she's going away uh, on business for a few days. For Orlando Studios? Universal Studios. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Universal Studios. I told you I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> I know what I'm went. saying in my mind. <laughs> um, so she texts a friend named Amy saying that she's going to be going out and hanging out with Tony um, and suggests that they go to a karaoke bar that evening. Casey doesn't show up. Instead, goes with Tony to a barbecue, stays the night at his apartment, and apparently they are intimate for the first time, and then they start a relationship. Um, so then she starts to put her friends through a whole bunch of bullshit, living at their house, and starts using this story about a nanny that she's been using named Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez. The following is an important timeline of the month of the trial. Wait, where did she supposedly leave the kid? I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Uh, June 9th, 2008. Casey Anthony and her daughter Kaylee move out of Casey's parents in with her ex-boyfriend Ricardo Morales and Amy, our friend Amy Huizenga. June 15th, Kaylee is videotaped visiting an assisted living facility with grandmother Cindy Anthony that morning, who is visiting her father. Cindy swims with Kaylee in the Anthony's pool later that day, afterward removing the ladder and closing the gate. Sound like Kennedy slurping his water right now. That is me. Um, June 16th, 2008 Kaylee is last seen alive at the Anthony residence According to defense, Kaylee drowned in the family above ground pool sometime during this day And both Casey and George Anthony panicked upon finding the body Covered her up her death and the timeline of the day follows 7am Cindy Anthony Yeah, Cindy Anthony testifies that she leaves for work a few minutes before 7am While everyone in the house is still asleep 7.52, activity from Casey Anthony's password-protected account on MySpace and research for shot girl costumes for Tony Lazaro's nightclub events. (laughs) 7.56, AIM account was used to chat on the computer. Kennedy! (laughs) Um, 12.50 p.m., according to George Anthony, Kaylee departed with Casey by the car um, around 1250. Uh, there is no computer attack activity on the home computer associated with Casey's account and her cell phone pings do not leave the area of the Anthony home until 4:11 PM. Okay. 1:39 PM activity associated with Casey's aim, MySpace, and Facebook accounts on the home computer. And the last browser session is at 4, 12, or 142. 1:44. Casey calls friend Amy Huizinga. Huizinga. I love her name. <laughs> 221, call ended with Amy Huizinga. Uh, 2.30, George Anthony testified that he left home at this time to go to work. 2.49, Casey Anthony's cell phone reconnects with the tower nearest to the home, and the Anthony family's desktop, compu- desktop computer is activated by someone using password-protected account that Casey Anthony uses. 2.51 p.m., Google search is made for the term foolproof suffocation, misspelling the last word as S-U-F-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. 
Um, she barely graduated high school. She did. Uh, the user clicks on an article criticizing pro-suicide websites that promote foolproof ways to die. 2.52 p.m., activity on MySpace. Uh, Casey answers a phone call from Jesse Grund. He describes this conversation as abnormal, uh, where Casey states to him that her parents were divorcing and she needs to find a new place to live. 3.04 p.m., Casey disconnects the phone call from Jesse Grund to take an incoming call from George Anthony. According to the defense, the 26-second call from her father took place as soon as he got to work to tell her, I took care of everything. Telling her he disposed of the body and warned her not to tell her mother about the child's death. 3.43 p.m., Casey made a phone call to her boyfriend, Tony Lazaro, unanswered. Between 4.10 and 4.14, Casey made six unanswered phone calls to her mother. 4.11, Casey's cell phone pings indicate it was at or near the house until she headed towards Lazaro's apartment at 4.11. When she leaves for Tony Lazaro, she leaves for his apartment at 4.11. I'm very repetitive. (laughs) Um, 7.54, she and Lazaro are seen entering and walking around casually at a Blockbuster video store. Kaylee is not with them. Oh, I remember Blockbuster. (laughs) No. I remember Hollywood video. I remember that too. We had one in shirts. Actually, the... Hollywood video lasted longer than the blockbusters. Hollywood did. video slapped. Yeah, it did. Um, Ouch. I think you were allowed to rent your games for longer from Hollywood video. Well, then Netflix came along. Remember when Netflix was a game rental service? You remember Gamefly? Yes. And Netflix and Gamefly were competing, and then Netflix turned into what it is now, and Gamefly did not. Yeah. And now Netflix is like, we don't have any games. We don't play games here. Right. What are you talking about? This is a business. <laughs> Oh, God. June 17th, 2008. George and Cindy Anthony notice that the gate to the swimming pool is open and the ladder is next to the pool. Controversial, I said. You just notice... That the gate is open all mm-hmm. of a sudden? And is the ladder's down? A di- two days later at this point? Two days later. Yeah. Because you guys are just always so good about putting up that ladder, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, June 20, 2008. Why would you need to take the ladder down? Because you've got a three-year-old who can apparently, uh, who's very good at opening doors. Then wouldn't you want the ladder in there to make sure that it doesn't... She can't get... It's an above-ground pool. Oh, so she can't get in. Okay, Mm -hmm. got it now. Uh, June 20, 2008, Casey Anthony is captured in various photos partying at Fusion Nightclub and participating in a hot body contest. Oh, God. The infamous hot body contest. Yep. Nancy Grace was wild about this hot body contest. She also well, called Nancy her Grace Tot Mom. Wild about everything. So. Tot Mom. <laughs> We're here to talk about Tot Mom. I don't even Where's know. the body? Where's the body? <laughs> Did you know that she was partying <laughs> days after? I don't know. Nancy Grace's Nancy Grace really cared about this case and she yeah she did she really made it a big thing she did um i'll talk about that later detox (gasps) Uh. (laughs) no uh june 23rd 2008 anthony lazaro testifies that he helped casey break into a shed at her parents home to take gas cans for casey's car which had run out of gas lazaro said he watched casey open the trunk of her car although he did not see inside of the trunk he said there was no odor that he could detect Okay, that's important because... You'll see. 
<laughs> uh, June 24th, 2008, An- George Anthony calls police to report a break-in and report the gas cans missing. Later this day, he saw Casey, Anth- Casey at the Anthony residence and confronted her about taking them. George said that when he went to go get them out of his daughter's car, she ran past him, quickly opened the trunk, and retrieved the gas cans herself, yelling, Here's your fucking gas cans. George testified that he smelled gasoline in the car, but did not detect any other odors. June 30th, 2008, Casey's car is towed from a parking lot after being there for several days. Her purse and a child's car seat are found in the car's back seat. July 2nd, Casey gets a tattoo on her back saying, Bella Vida. Uh, So this whole time, Casey's making up excuse after excuse as to why they're not coming back to Orlando. Um, From the nanny, Zanny, taking them to uh, Disneyland theme parks, beaches with their friend, Juliet Lewis. What the fuck kind of name is that? You know, Juliet Lewis is an actress. Oh, I don't know her. She was in um, Married with Children. I don't know that movie. She's a famous actress. Yeah, okay. Uh, famous but to they, someone that's not me. Well, because in two thousand and nine, she was fucking lit. I don't know actor and actress names whatsoever. So, but anyway, she was a famous actress that people knew about, and apparently, her parents were just not wise enough. Yeah. Um, so she so stayed, she has not been home to her parents' house this entire time. Once. Once. Okay. Once. Well, twice. Once to steal gas cans and then the second time to retrieve clothes and she mm-hmm. threw gas cans at her dad and said, here's your fucking gas cans. And got out. Got yeah. It. Um, so she is also staying in Jacksonville with friends and, um, the friend that they're staying in Jacksonville is getting married now. So they're going to stay for the wedding and. Uh, oh, they can't come back. Her car broke down. They'll be back tomorrow. Um, all the while, Kaylee is never available to talk. Yeah. And Cindy's asking to talk to Kaylee every day. Um, she's either asleep or she's out with the Zanny, the nanny. Zanny. Um, which, that's probably important. But I think I'll get to that later. Uh, on July 13th, 2008, while doing yard work, Cindy and George Anthony found a notice from the post office for a certified letter affixed to their front door. George picked it up uh, and said, picked up the certified letter from the post office on July 15th, found that his daughter's car was in a tow yard. <laughs> uh, when George picked up the car, both he and the tow yard attendant noted a strong smell coming from the trunk. Both later stated that they believed that the odor to be that of a decomposing body. Oh, God. When the trunk was opened, it contained a bag of trash, but no human remains. Uh, George and Cindy Anthony pick up Casey's car um, and then... Probably had to pay thousands of dollars for it. I think it was 400 Oh, only to have it for that long? Um, it Normally was... it's like 400 to get it after like two days. Let's see. June 30th, and they picked it up. So it's 15 days. That's a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. It's Florida, too, though. Mm, sure. Florida's all sorts of fucked up. Um, so, distressed because Casey had not brought Kaylee home in a month, Cindy tracks down and meets with Amy Huizinga, <laughs> uh, who takes Cindy to the apartment where Casey is staying uh, and makes Casey come home. So Casey'd been staying at this Tony guy's apartment for weeks. Mm -hmm. Like Tony went back to Long Island. She stayed or no. Some of them went to 
Puerto Rico. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to come too. Never books a flight, just stays at the apartment. Because it would be trackable. Yeah. Um, well, not even that. She had no money. Oh, that too. Hmm. Um, while she was gone, she stole a bunch of money from Amy Huizenga. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, of course, I'd, if I was Amy, I'd be like, yeah, she's over there. Go. Yeah, go get that bitch. <laughs> she uh, stole money from me. Anyway, she's staying at their apartment. Also, if you're going to steal money, at least steal it and go somewhere. <laughs> she yeah. could have sold it in enough money to go to Puerto Rico, buy a spirit flight. Yeah. Probably yeah. 20 bucks. She's also very vain. Yeah. So... Um, blah, blah, blah. Cindy tracks down and meets with Amy Hazunga. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Cindy calls the police and tells the police that they have, she needs to have Casey arrested for Grand Theft Auto. Um, and she needs to bring her into the police station right now. She's at the police station, but the police station's closed. It's like seven o'clock or something. <laughs> Do police stations close? I didn't know that. Some of them close. Oh. This one closes. Um, anyways, she's at the wrong one because... <laughs> So you have to do it in the, the county that you're reporting in. Mm-hmm. They live in Orlando, but they're part of the sheriff's jurisdiction. So yeah. they would need to go to the sheriff's office. Um, so they, they just tell her you can pull off to the side of the road or you can go home. Mm-hmm. So they go home. Um, Cindy makes another call to the police, says that she needs to report a missing child and to have Casey arrested for stealing money and a vehicle. They dispatch an officer to the house. Mm-hmm. While the police are on the way, Casey tells her parents that she hasn't seen Kaylee in a month. Uh, and that a babysitter named Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez, Zanny, probably kidnapped her. <laughs> so she's going to now lie her way into saying that this... Wasn't me? Yeah, I didn't do it. This yep. random person that I've never actually met. Yep. Uh, Casey had been trying to find Kaylee on her own. Oh, was she? Mm-hmm. Staying at the apartment and partying? Yep. Okay. Uh, she was undercover. She said she was undercover because those are places that Zenaida would go. Um, was it because uh, Amy knew exactly where you were this entire time, so you're not really undercover? <laughs> well, I mean, Amy Amy was her friend. We're looking for Zenaida. Oh. That's Amy Huizing. Oh. Whatever. Uh, so, come on. Um... Was it? <laughs> okay, so Cindy Anthony immediately calls 911 in a panic, reports uh, granddaughter Kaylee's been missing for a month. She reports, her car smells like there's been a damn dead body in the car. No, wait. It smells like there's been a dead body in the damn car. Now, now yeah. she reports that? Well, she's crying. She's sobbing. They say, ma'am, we, we can't. We need you to calm down. Mm-hmm. Can we speak to your daughter? Casey gets on the phone. She's like, hey. They're like, so can you tell me what's going on here? She's like, "Uh, my daughter's been missing for 31 days. I've been trying to find her. And she's completely fine about it. Stone cold. (laughs) So (laughs) July 16th, Casey is arrested. Casey told the police that she left Kaylee at the apartment of the babysitter named Zenaida. Uh, and that they were both missing when she returned. Police found, among other discrepancies with her story, that the apartment had been vacant for more than 140 days. So that doesn't even line up at all. <laughs> yep. Um, she, they took her to uh, Universal Studios because she said that she may have a phone number of, of Zenaida on there. The one that she has now doesn't work. Mm-hmm. She's got a SIM card in, uh, that was from her work phone. 
that she took out of her work phone and left at her office because the phone stopped working. She would use it with her regular phone, but she would just switch the SIM cards out. But that SIM card is at her office in Universal Studios. So they were like, okay. <laughs> That's um, weird. Let's go get it. So they but go then to- again, that was back in 2008 when you were able to switch SIM cards between phones, which yeah. is the stupidest fucking thing. You can still do it with this one. Can you? How, yeah. how do you access that? You pull that thing out. Yeah. I don't um, even know where mine is on my phone, and I don't really care. Yeah. So you, they were like, okay, take us to, yeah, let's go to Universal Studios. So they show up at Universal Studios, um, and they go up to the front desk, and they're like, she's like, I need to get into my office. And they were like, okay, what's your name? I'm Casey Anthony. Tap, 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 tap. Nobody here, nobody who works here is named Casey Anthony. What a fucking moron. She's like, listen here, you fucking idiot. And she's like making a scene with them. Um, and they were like, you don't work here. <laughs> so and there's nothing the I can do The police are like, go get your supervisor, mm-hmm. would you? And the supervisor comes out and he looks and of course she's not in there. And they're like, the police say, can we just look around? Because she works here. And the, the police are still believing her? No. Well, they're saying, well, can we look around? Yeah. Uh, so far, they're not letting on that they don't believe her. And they're like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and so whatever. they're just wandering around. Casey's waving at people. She's saying hi to people. Like random work people? Yep. That are probably like, who the fuck hi. is that? <laughs> and so she'll wa- she walks down a hall. It's a dead end. She turns around to the police officers and she's like, yeah. I don't work here. No way. <laughs> no way. Um, so then she's arrested and charged with child neglect. They're like, this is the time where you can tell us anything that you want to tell us. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, stand by everything I said. And they were like, don't you think that sounds a little weird? Even standing she's by like, you working at Orlando. She's like, Studios. I lied about some things, but or Universal Studios. Damn it. everything else is true. They're like, everything? Question She's mark. like, everything except the Universal Studios. <laughs> Call my bluff. See what happens. <laughs> they're like, okay, you're under arrest. <laughs> um, so July 22nd, 2008, uh, new revelations are at a bond hearing. In a bond hearing, Casey and Anthony, uh, de- Casey Anthony and detectives revealed that they found... <sighs> oh, my God. <laughs> they, they revealed that they found strands of hair. Um, that looked like they'd been Kaylee Anthony's in the trunk of the car. Um, they had this band around them that apparently only happens once hair falls off of a dead body. Oh. It's like a gray ring or a brown ring or something, they call it. Yeah. Um, also, the hair was unprocessed, so it could not be Casey's or Cindy's. Yeah. It had to be Kaylee's because it was not processed. Um, also, uh, the cadaver dogs that are trained to smell human de- decomposition, smell the trunk and said, tested positive. This is, some, this, is this is some nasty sh- shit in here. Decomposition. Wazinga. We caught her. Wazinga. <laughs> um, so her, uh, we need that her, on a fan so we can thwarp it. For real. Wazinga. It's so good. I'm going to call her. She's probably like, Amy don't call the, me. Yeah. She's probably in witness protection. Honestly. <laughs> I would be. <laughs> Maybe that was never her real name, and that's just when they they were like, let's oh, make something that sounds really fake. How about yeah. Pazinga? <laughs> that sounds like a good one. Um, and, and what's the other one, Xanadu? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Zanada. <laughs> um, 
Blah, blah, blah. July 22nd, Casey Anthony called a person of interest. She, um, call, she called someone that was a person of interest? No, person she's interest? Oh, she a is called a person of interest. Okay, got it. Um, so they're treating the case as a potential homicide. Okay. July 24th, grandmother reports sightings of Kaylee. Cindy Anthony told reporters that Kaylee was spotted in Georgia, but police could not verify this claim. How did the grandmother th- she's hear about tips. this? She's getting tips. Yeah. She's <laughs> called in a Texas uh, firm called EquiSearch, mm-hmm. which employs volunteers, and then they scan areas, but they also take tips. Mm. So I imagine it's probably from that. Anyone like, oh, there's this three-year-old child that might look like a child. Marky. Marky. These dogs are vocal tonight. I know. <laughs> um, Angry things. August 9th, 2008. This is a whole... No, two this months? Is, yeah, two months or so. Um, it's Kaylee's third birthday party. Mm. No Kaylee, though. But they still had a party? Um, they still have birthday parties for her. Um, um, I never experienced the loss of a child like that. So I don't know how that would feel. I don't know if they still do, but some of the recordings I was watching, they were like, it's been a while since she's been gone, but they invited the press to her child, her dead granddaughter's birthday. That's, I don't like that at all. Um, August 17th, a bounty hunter offers the bond. Leonard Padilla added, uh, he has his own uh, reality television show. Uh, and he claimed that he'd been contacted by Casey Anthony and that he would post her bond for her in order to get her out so she can help him find Kaylee. What the fuck? Um, so August, he was going to pay for her to get pay. out. Oh, he did pay. He did pay. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. August 21st, Casey Anthony is released from jail after Padilla posts her bond. What the fuck? August 30th, Casey Anthony is returned to jail. (laughs) She's taken into custody on new charges. Petty theft. Stealing from her friend, Amy Huasenga. Yeah. Um, Because she probably showed up back at Amy's house and was like, hey, help me. And then was, you know, Amy was like, okay, fine. You fucking bitch. And then then she was probably like, okay, here I'm on this couch. Oh, wait, I'm going to steal your jewelry or, you know, anything else that I can sell for money. I mean, not now. She's swimming in cash from oh yeah from bounty hunter yeah um september 5th casey anthony is released from jail again oh wait did i skip stuff yeah i did september 1st police finally say they do not believe that casey anthony is alive kaylee kaylee anthony yes um they there's a strong possibility that kaylee anthony is deceased released by the fbi tests Mm mm-hmm September 5th, then she's released again. Um, September, oh, I, September 5th, she's released again. September 25th, uh, the babysitter files lawsuit. So the, the babysitter was a real name? It was a real name, but it was not her babysitter. Nope. It was somebody she'd never met. And just some random name that she had found. Zenaida Fernandez-Gonzalez, the woman that Casey Anthony reportedly named in the suspect case, files a defamation lawsuit against Casey. She stole her name from a, uh, well, they believe that she stole her name from, Casey stole her name from a registry of an apartment complex that Zenaida had applied to live in. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, also, 
there was, I think she just took the names Aneda because uh, a neighbor on one side was named Gonzalez and she had a neighbor down the street named Fernandez. So then she kind of just mixed it all together and mm-hmm. then it just happened to be this person. She made up tons of names. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. She, I don't know how She's she kept moronic. track of all these laws. Yeah. Um, so she also, they also believe that maybe the name Zanida comes from, they, so she'd call her Z, uh, Nanny Zanny, Zanny Nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2009, very popular drug was Xanax. Mm, yeah. Uh, uh, which was used as a moniker for Zanny. Yeah. Um, so that, so she probably could, and she was a partier too. So she was probably like, get that Zanny. Get that Zanny. Yeah. Um, which I will say at the end what my theory is. Okay. Um, so September 29th, Casey Anthony's returned to jail. She's arrested again uh, for multiple charges, including child neglect, lying to investigators, petty theft, and use of a forged check, uh, but not in conjunction with her daughter's disappearance. So she keeps getting arrested for all these small things. The other things that she did, stealing yeah. all that money. October 2nd, Casey Anthony named a suspect in her daughter's disappearance. October 14th, Casey Anthony charged with first-degree murder. She's also charged with aggravated child abuse, aggravated manslaughter, and providing false information to law enforcement. So she was only put as a suspect five months after this happened? Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Um, and still, we're not to the part that I think is very paramount. October 24th, police evidence reports chloroform and body decomposition in Casey Anthony's car. Mm-hmm. December 5th, jail releases Casey Anthony's visitation videos, which are fucked. <laughs> uh, December 11th, skull found near the Anthony home. Mm. Skeletal remains of a young child were found a half mile from the Anthony home. December 12, police somewhat confident it's Kaylee. Police spokesman Carlos Padilla told ABC News police are somewhat confident that it remains to the remains belong to Kaylee Anthony. December 16, uh, for the second time, Judge St- Stan Strickland denies a motion by Casey Anthony's defense attorney to gain access to an area where the bones of the child were found. She wanted to go there? The, her defense team. Oh, yeah. She's in jail. Um, December 19, police announced that the result of a DNA test confirms the remains belong to Kaylee Anthony. They just took a DNA test. Turns out those are 100% those bones. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just use a Lizzo song for this? <laughs> About a dead child. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're awful. <laughs> Even when she wasn't crying crazy. Nope, stop. <laughs> She's not nope. human anymore. <laughs> no. January 13th, 2009. Uh, Roy Kronk, the utility worker who found Kaylee Anthony's remains, dismissed suggestions that he was somehow involved in the toddler's disappearance. Wait, who said that? The guy who found his the remains. Okay. He tried to call three times to get them to go look. Mm-hmm. They didn't listen to him at all the first and second time. Then he got his supervisor to call a third time. And he was like, they were like, you got to go down here. And they were like, okay, we'll send someone. And they're like, no, you need to go there right now. I need to know who's going there. My employees, they're waiting for them. You have to send somebody right now. 
get there right now. Because he finally, before it was just a trash bag and he was like, yuck. And then the third time. They opened it up. He opened it up. Mm-hmm. And found a rotting Skull. carcass inside. Um, so January th- 23rd, 2009. Well, I do have to speak about, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I do have to speak about the police urgency a little bit because back in 2000, what was it? 2017, there, I would had dated, no, 2018. No, it was 2017. I had dated this guy and, uh, he was, uh, once again, pay attention to your mental health all of our listeners. He was bipolar. He stopped taking his medication for some reason, even though we only, only did it a couple of weeks, thinking that I could handle his manic uh, swing. Uh, decided that he wanted to break into my house, essentially threatened to murder my dog, threatened to hurt me in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so, like, I, like, had called the police the first night that this had all happened. Uh, long story short, essentially, the next day he threatened that he was going to come back over to my house, and he only lived right around the corner, so he could have gotten there in a matter of minutes. So I packed a quick bag, got my dog in the car, and drove around the street, called the police again. The police were like, I called 911, and they were like, uh, well, you know, there's not, they were like, are you safe? And I was like, yes. And they're like, well, there's nothing that we can do immediately. And I'm like, uh, this man is threatening to hurt me, kill my dog, and get into my house somehow at, at all means possible. How is this not an urgent matter? took them three and a half hours to finally get to my house. So <laughs> let's talk about urgent matters there. Hey, HPD. Yeah. What's up, girl? We love what you're doing. What's good? <laughs> um, yeah. They do that. I mean, and Cindy the same Anthony officer calls twice, from the night times. before came to the... Same thing again. And basically it was just like, well, the only thing we can do is you could maybe file for a protective order or restraining order, and that would be about it. And I'm like, wow, you guys are really crockpot team here. Crockpot? Crackpot team. You guys are living living the life. Yep. Anyways, sorry, I didn't mean to derail that. I figured that it was a relevant thing to throw in there at the moment. Mm. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> oh, you no. did. We all care about your safety, Chris. Oh, thank you sometimes. I mean... I don't know what happens to you after you leave here. I just assume that you go back to a rock and then wait I'm actually for Patrick me to call. Star, and get I live underneath a rock and yeah, That's I'm actually one of those homeless people up there by the bus stop. Oh my god! Can you tell that one guy to stop yelling at cars? Uh, that narrows it down to seventy people. <laughs> tell them all. Hey, <laughs> don't you yell at this car? Listen, <laughs> bud. <laughs> You want to yell at something? I heard that tree over there has been talking about you. <laughs> Where's that pooch? Um, so January 23rd, uh, George Anthony leaves a suicide note. Mm. Uh, police discover grandfather George Anthony despondent and possibly under the influence of medication and alcohol in a Daytona Beach, Florida hotel. Um, they discovered a five-page suicide note that Anthony had pen- apparently penned in a hotel. April 13th, 2009, 2009 uh, prosecutors announced that they plan to seek the death penalty for Casey Anthony. Good. I think that's where they made a mistake. Why? Oh, so you're trying to seek the death penalty? Mm-hmm. So just in life in prison? I think they would have gotten a conviction had mm-hmm. they had said life in prison. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. June 16th, 2009, one year anniversary of the last time George and Cindy Anthony say that they saw Kaylee. Um, so he didn't actually die. Hmm? 
George didn't die? No, they pumped his stomach. Uh, George and Cindy's lawyer, Brad Conway, says the couple doesn't know the truth about what happened to Kaylee, but they know of no theory in which Anthony's daughter, Casey, uh, was killed by Kaylee. Um, he also said that Casey would likely take the stand in her own defense at the trial, which could be at least a year away. June 19th, 2009, Kaylee Anthony's autopsy report is released. Um, she died of asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. Um, when they found her body, she had tape over her mouth and her nose. And they that is the cause of death. Because she wasn't able to breathe. She was suffocated. Yeah. And she had Googled about suffocating. Foolproof suffocation. Yeah. Um, they also believe that she chloroformed her, but it's hard to tell whether chloroform is still found in the body. It has a short half-life. Especially when all the deep... It was heavily decomposed. Yeah. Florida in the middle of the summer in the wild where animals are getting well, see, to it. Well, de- see, decomposed, it really comes down to whether or not they can find the material still in the body doesn't matter what sort of organic flesh it is. It's disgusting. To I think the bones but... were clean. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, as far as what I could tell, the animals had gotten to it and picked it clean. Okay. Um, Stan Strickland, judge, denies defense demotion to eliminate the death penalty, saying it would be best left up to the jury whether or not Casey should face death if she is convicted. Um, 2010, April 6th. Casey Anthony jailhouse letters and inmate police interviews are released. An inmate told police Casey uh, said in jail that she used to knock out Kaylee, perhaps with some kind of a sedative, so she could go to sleep at night. The inmate also claimed Casey knew details about her daughter's remains before the police said that they were made public. I think this lady was just trying to get out of jail early because mm-hmm. she was like in the interview, she was like, she said that she used a drug to knock her out. I think it's called chlorophyll, chlorophyll chloroform so pretty close to chloroform yeah yeah it was a lie um april 19th 2010 judge stan strickland steps down in a scathing written decision decision stan strickland who has presided over the anthony case since it began removed himself amid uh controversy over his positive comments towards a blogger who was covering the case at its core, defense counsel motion accuses the undersigned Strickland of being a self-aggrandizing media hound. Indeed, the irony is rich, he wrote. Motion granted. <laughs> so he steps down. Uh, June 15th, 2010, George and Cindy Anthony mark the second anniversary of their daughter's disappearance. In an exclusive interview with Good Morning America, George Anthony said he didn't think about the trial's eventual outcome and is just living day to day. In few months, the ordeal will have lasted longer than Kaylee's short life. June 15th, 2010, second anniversary of the night Kaylee was finally reported missing. Casey, Lee, her brother, George, and Cindy all appear in court on an emotional evidentiary, evidentiary hearing. After dramatic testimony by Cindy Anthony, who recounted the panic night she learned Kaylee had been missing for a month, a Florida judge ruled the 911 calls that Cindy had made immediately after in which she discussed the dead body smell in the car would be allowed in the murder trial. Good. September 24th. Because that obviously shows emotional... Um, outburst. Out, outburst by her. The emotional outburst that would be expected from a mother who did not have their child for 
over a month. This is the grandmother. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. The that's the, what you expect to happen that, from the mother. Exactly that. The way that the grandmother acted is the way that the mother should have been acting from the get go. And then if she got on the phone, it was like, yeah, she's been missing for a while. Yep. Um, September 14th, Casey Anthony expands her legal defense to six attorneys. <laughs> January 3rd, judge ruled that the witness who had had a romantic relationship with Anthony would be allowed, but said the questioning would not veer into extremely intimate details of the relationship. May 9th, 2011, the trial begins with the jury selection process of... Damn it. I forgot that this was going on during college, too. It went on a long time. Mm-hmm. Um... Jury process took 11 days. Um, Casey Anthony's lawyer, Jose Baez, opened her defense with the claim that Kaylee Anthony, Kaylee Anth- Kaylee Anthony <laughs> accidentally drowned in the family's swimming pool on June 16th and that Father Kate or George helped her to cover it up. The defense team also alleged that she was sexually abused by her father and her brother and hid her, body, her daughter's death like she hid the secret of her alleged sexual abuse. So they were trying to get her out on a victim charge, essentially. Saying, yeah, make oh. it look how poor her life is. She's been hiding this her whole life, so it's no wonder she's lying about everything else. So why don't they use the paternity test for the first time and compare those that evidence against uh, the DNA of the father and the brother? I think they did, and it had proven that it was not, not their, not their child. Um, I don't know how they did that to Lee. Lee was just kind of like... I'm not a really part of this. I don't want to do have anything to yeah. do with this. Um, Y'all raised a fucked up child, and this is what you get. Yeah. June 23rd, Cindy Anthony claims she and not Casey was the one who searched the terms chloroform and neck-breaking on the family home computer. Cindy said that? Cindy said to that. To cover, cover up her daughter? Mm-hmm. Well, they're just like letting everyone go all sorts of directions here, aren't they? Yep. Uh, because they're not suspected, except for George, maybe. Um, those searches were a key piece of the prosecutor's circumstantial case because they say that Casey Anthony used chloroform to subdue her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee, and suffocated her with duct tape over her mouth and her nose. June 29, George Anthony deals a blow to his daughter's defense by saying he was the last one to see Kaylee alive. He offered details about his 2009 suicide attempt made just weeks after Kaylee's remains were discovered. He said he was despondent, and he did it because he failed Kaylee. By killing him? He didn't Uh, really admit to that? He just said that he was the last person to see her alive? Yeah. Um, July 1st, prosecution presented evidence that questioned the truthfulness of Cindy Anthony's claims that she had made the incriminating computer searches. They presented records indicating that Cindy Anthony was at work during the time that she claimed to have just searched for chloroform from the home. Computer records revealed that someone using Cindy Anthony's username was logged onto her computer at the hospital where she worked for nearly nine hours on March 17, 2008 and March 21, 2008, the days the computer searches from the chloroform were done by somebody in the Anthony household. July 3rd, closing arguments begin. Defense attorney Jose Baez and chief prosecutor Jeff Ashton were both admonished and threatened with expulsion by the judge. The harsh scolding came about after Baez interrupted his summation and yelled to jurors that Ashton was a laughing guy, as Ashton barely hid a smile behind his hand. 
Wait, wait. Who is Ashton? Who's Baez? Ashton is the prosecutor, and mm-hmm. Baez is the defense. So Ashton was laughing. Yeah. Supposedly, and Baez was like, "Look at this laughing guy." Yeah. Uh, July fifth, Casey Anthony is found not guilty of murdering her two-year-old daughter Kaylee. After a trial of a month and a half, the Florida Ninth Judicial Circuit Court jury takes less than eleven hours to reach a verdict in this case. Seven men and five women jury declined to convict Anthony of her first either first degree murder or manslaughter, but they do convict her of four counts of providing false information to law enforcement, which are misdemeanors. Anthony so she got four misdemeanors for killing someone. Mm-hmm. Anthony gets a year behind bars on each count when she is sentenced on Thursday, July 7th. She's been in jail for three years. So she's going to be released next year. She's been in jail three years at the time of her trial. Oh, okay. She's essentially released right after the trial. So... (laughs) So it wasn't four additional on top of what she was already serving. It was four years with credit for time. The trial was commonly compared to the O.J. Simpson murder case for both its widespread media attention and initial shock at the not guilty verdict. Mm-hmm. At the start of the trial, dozens of people placed uh, raced to the Orange County Courthouse hoping to secure one of 50 seats open to the public at the murder trial. Because the case received such thorough med- media attention in Orlando, jurors were brought in from Pinellas County and sequestered for the entire trial. Scott Safon, executive vice president of HLN, said it was not about policy, but rather about the very, very strong human dimension of the case that drove the network to cover it. The audience for HLN's Nancy Grace rose more than 150%, and other news channels deciding to focus on the trial saw their ratings double and triple. Because suddenly it became a national outcry, essentially. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was the primetime drama mm-hmm. of real life. Mm-hmm. Safan argued that the Anthony's had been having a regular and unremarkable family with complex relationships made them intriguing to watch. He said that it was a trial that was both a psychologist's dream and nightmare. Mm-hmm. He believed that much of the public's fascination to do with the uncertainty of a motive for the crime. Uh, psychologist Carol McBride discussed how some mothers stray away from the saintly archetype of expected mothers. We want so badly to hang on to the belief system that mothers don't harm children, she stated. It's fascinating that the defense in the Anthony case found a way to blame the father. While we don't know what's true, and maybe we never will, but it's worth taking a look at the narcissistic family when maternal narcissism rules at the roost. And when the not guilty verdict was rendered, there was a significant outcry among the general public and the media that the jury had made the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Outside of the courthouse... As many of 500 reacted in anger, chanting their disapproval and waving protest signs. Traffic to news sites surged from about 2 million pages, page views a minute to 3.3 million, wow. with most of the visits coming from the United States. Mashable reported that between 2 and 3 p.m., 1 million viewers were watching CNNLive.com. Because they want to know the verdict. <laughs> yep. 30, mo- 30 times higher than the previous month's average. Some people referred to the verdict as OJ number two. Mm-hmm. Various media personalities and celebrities expressed, expressed outrage via Twitter. Um, so generally, uh, people thought that she did it. Oh, yeah. And I, I think she did it, too. A hundred percent. I mean, it's the same situation with, you know, John Bonet Ramsey. That it's like, there's so many signs that are pointing to she absolutely did something like this. 
she has been a lying sociopath her entire life. Mm-hmm. A absolute, like, just compulsive, disgusting liar the entire time. And yet, this is the time that you're going to say, yeah, I don't think she done it. Yeah. Really? She had a dead body in her trunk. She had hairs from a dead body in her trunk. I mean, she had everything going on. What? Sorry. Dog difficulties. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's going yeah. crazy. Casey Anthony's a liar. Yeah. Oh, for sure. She's always been a liar. I mean, the whole situation throughout the entire thing is just like, why? The entire family. So the, they hired six attorneys, like you said. And I'm sure that they were probably delving deep into this family and the family was like no he did it he did it he did it she did it she the jose baez i'm sure said you want to save her we got to throw ourselves under the bus and they were everyone's got to go at the same time they were like also make yourself sound as unorganized and as crazy as possible that so no one can follow your strings anymore and no one can prove anything about anyone i mean the lawyers knew what they were doing by saying just be crazy. And then on top of that, making the whole like debacle in the middle of the courtroom, you know, calling him out for just made the whole court thing a laughing stock. That it was just everyone just laughing about the whole situation. And it's just so pitiful. Yeah. Or just the system is so fucked up. I believe that she killed her daughter, uh, but with an overdose of what? Xanax. Oh. I think she had. There was a really good. Um, theory online that mm-hmm. I think sounds the most perceptible. Mm-hmm. She gave her Xanax, mm-hmm. drugged her, left her in the car because she wanted to go do whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the middle of summer in Florida. So a hundred baby degrees. dies. Yeah. She sees, comes back. Kaylee won't wake up. Obviously she's, you know, dead. dead. She was drugged. She was dead. So I think she keeps her in the back of the trunk for a little while and then eventually just drops her off. Mm -hmm. I don't think George had anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. I don't think Cindy had anything to do with it. I definitely don't think that Cindy had anything to do with it. I don't know about the dad. I don't think he had anything to do with either. Um, If anything, I think it might be her friends. Mm -hmm. But then there's no way to pin that to them. No. No. We'll never know because she's just walking out there being innocent right now. So, yep. In an interview she did like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. she first of all she's she works for a private detection firm now, and she uh, is a photographer. Um, but she said, "I sleep very well at night. I sleep good, but I miss my daughter. I sleep perfectly fine, even though my daughter's dead. Yep. Smiley face. Thanks." Yeah. I take plenty of Xanax. <laughs> she, I hope she does. Yeah. I hope she takes Xanax and sits in her car. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. This it the entire thing, you we don't we won't know because she will always be she'll a compulsive never liar. She'll never she'll always have stories going all different directions. I'm surprised like I'm surprised that it wasn't as bad as like Eileen Warnos, where she was lying and pointing everything in all different directions and, you know, just acting all crazy. That's honestly what this sounded like to me. Just a little bit more um, 2000, like 2010 era. Uh, maybe a little bit more put together than yeah. Eileen Warnos. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more, but it's still Florida. Like, it's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. <laughs> You're not listening to me. The entire time that you were talking uh, just reminded me. I told you this, about the story about how 
uh, my little brother dropped out of college and moved to Florida, right? Moved to Jacksonville. Well, the family, no, Tallahassee. Uh, well, the family that they were staying at uh, during the whole situation about this coming to light was like this. They he was moving across the country. He was twenty one and going to stay with the seventeen year old uh, with her parents and her parents' approval in their house. And I'm like, this whole situation is all sorts of fucked up. So That's it's really it. funny. We laugh about it now because Alex is back home because that obviously did not pan out just like we said it was going to be. So Alex, if you're listening, we're still laughing at you. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you, Alex. I don't have any idea what's going on. Oh, okay. I never told you that story? No. You've said things. Oh, it's just I'm referring to that because the entire time you were talking, I was like, this just sounds like crazy Florida people. Like, yep. Straight up. Also, I didn't know this, but there's a law in Florida where as if you're ever um, sent to court mm-hmm. for anything, all of those court documents are released. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of information that everyone has access to. So that's why Zenaida sued for defamation because people got her phone number. Oh my God. And uh, they would call her all the time. And they'd be like, why'd you take that baby? And she's like, who she's the like, fuck are you? Leave me alone. Yeah. I she bet lost she's her job in, from it. I bet she's in witness protection now too. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe she was on about television it. about it. Yeah. So. I would be too. I'd be like, leave me the fuck alone. It's not me. Yeah. I'd be like, of all the times to have a unique name. Not the great time. <laughs> She couldn't have picked, like, Betty Ann yeah. White. Yeah. Betty Ann White. Oh, that's my great-grandmother. She'd be uh, in jail. <laughs> we know you did it, old lady. <laughs> Stupid I old I was playing backgammon the whole time. <laughs> no, she'd probably be like, fuck you, motherfuckers. <laughs> You'll never take me alive. <laughs> Get me to the chopper. <laughs> LOL. Well, that's nearly a two-hour episode, oh, wow. so... Um, I love it. We love when you guys listen. Yeah. Why don't you go check us out at ourspoopypodcast.com, ourspoopypodcast at Instagram, ourspoopy at Twitter, and ourspoop at Facebook. Also... Ourspoopypodcast at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Absolutely. Let us know. And more importantly, give us... Uh, or I'm sorry, not give us... Shit, I'm finally working. <laughs> I have enjoyed you guys listening to me being a tired mess in this podcast because two hours of sleep does not good look. look yep. Chris is dead. Does not look Chris good is having an bitch. aneurysm. But um, what I'm trying to say is go give our sister podcast a listen. Let's, let's talk, talk about gay stuff. stuff. Because I absolutely loved listening to their podcast just as much as I love listening to us cackle as well. So They had a great quiz show. Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten to listen to it yet. It's so good. I was listening to our 20th anniversary episode. 20th anniversary. Yep. <laughs> um, so I think we should wrap it up before I hit that mark. So um, And before I face plant into the microphone. Well, you're already halfway there. So good get spoopy with it. it. <laughs>